You will meet men and women whom God will use mightily. And you don't realize that when they go behind closed doors, they're empty, they're exhausted, they're worn out, and they need God more than you can imagine. In fact, the more you use, the more you're going to go through the winds of change and the pressures of testing and the trials without and the temptations within. And you need that water of life, that refreshing power of the Holy Ghost to restore you to a place of standing. From Grace Bible Church in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com, welcome to Way of Grace with our teacher and pastor, Jesse Gastan. We are back in the book of Judges, chapter 16, looking at the first three verses in a message called, Samson, Lord, I'm Sorry. So we begin our time together today. We ask the question, who is this man, Samson? He's saved, he's sanctified, and he is service-oriented, in spite initial appearances. Let's catch up with Pastor Jessica Stan for today's broadcast of Way of Grace. You will turn back in your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter 16. Judges, chapter 16. You got time for me today? It was about, maybe about 30 years ago, 35, 30, 25, 30 years ago, I had a bunch of little kids. They were mine. And we were doing what really committed and uh, diligent parents do. And that's read the Bible and talk about it to six-year-olds and seven-year-olds and nine-year-olds every day as much as we could do it. Me and my wife, brand new believers. And boy, we get to Judges chapter 16, verse 1, 2, and 3. And I'm saying, now how am I going to explain this to four very bright women, including their mama? You know, you have to use some sanctified reframing. But this one here is almost unexplainable other than what happened. Now, we could leave it alone if you're too scared for your kids to grow up. But they're going to grow up anyway. And if you do the Bible right when you're reading, you don't have to turn it into a myth or Aesop's fables or some kind of soft fairy tale and deny the reality of the human condition. You don't have to pretend that all the people of God get it right all the time. In other words, if you really want to have a fair and balanced opinion about reality, listen to God. Now before us is a portion of scripture that really does require sanctified thinking. And I say that because it would be easy 
to miss the message. Getting caught up in this very narrow manner in which Samson finds himself in a precarious situation. You wouldn't know anything about this because you've never been in a situation like this in your life. This is new to you and it's abhorrent and repugnant because it never, ever happened once in your life. You never once deviated from the course. You never temporarily went insane. You never for a short period of time lost your mind and failed to realize who you are in Christ. So this is not about you. This is about me and Samson. I fully identify with this brother. Now, the simple short narrative wasn't needed except to give us a refresher course on what I'm calling the pathology of redemption. The pathology of redemption. Now, there you go, Pastor, with long words like pathology. I'm talking about the negative components embedded in the system of redemption that God intentionally allowed to manifest his permissive will over against his preceptive will in order to fulfill his sovereign redemptive will. You need to take notes. I'm saying that embedded in the narrative of redemption, yours and mine's and everybody else's, are these pathologies of failure that just happen from time to time to help you realize you haven't made it to glory yet. So there are a few more things we have to lay out. This is one of them uh, long tarmac runs before we get into the air. This is like coming out of Central America, okay, on the, on the unpaved roads in a uh, small plane. It takes so long to get down the road. You, you want to get into the air, but we got to take a little time. I promise you we'll get to our heights and then we will descend fairly quickly because we only have three verses. But my, how much can we learn in these three verses. Believe it. Our redemption suffers temporary deviation from the course and from the path and from the mission. It seems like about every seven chapters in your Bible will depict that. It seems like we don't go long before we discover that there's this kind of weird off ramp that we find ourselves inclined to take either out of curiosity or pure maliciousness. And sometimes it really is a consequence of as we're going to learn um, a misrepresentation of what we think is good for us or what others might think is good for us. In other words, what I mean is a man or a woman, particularly if you're a child of God, can have good and right passions and drives and aspirations and goals and desires that end up getting hijacked by imposters who pretend that they can meet your need at the level of satisfaction or gratification or affirmation. All this is true every day. And if you were to really microanalyze this proposition on yourself, you probably find in the course of a day that you deviate from the path two or three times. 
truth be told. I'm so glad that there's an on-ramp to get back on and get back on my course so I can keep it moving. So there are going to be a number of things that I want to lay out as a theological, psychological, sociological, redemptive framework before we understand really what's going on here. As I promise you, you don't see what you really need to see here. But Lord willing, his spirit and I will help you again. It's important for you and I to know that as much as we should desire for it never to happen, James chapter 1 verse 13 tells us, every man is drawn away. Did you get that? Every man is drawn away by his own lust. That's James 1, 13, if you want to catch up with me, says every man is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Y'all know that one, right? Like, do y'all know what that feels like? To be tugged. Every man is tempted when he is what? Drawn away. And what is he drawn away of? His own lust. And for some of us, it may happen in intervals that are very frequent. Others of us, depending on how old we is, and how minimal our desires are <laughs> may take a little longer, but I promise you, you rock and chair sinners, you deviate from time to time too. Yeah, you do. That brain is a wonderland of all kind of deviant machinations. And it's so true. Every man is drawn away of his own lust. He can't blame God. That's what the text will tell us of his own lust and enticed. And so our dear brother, Samson, is going to serve as a model for you and me as to how from time to time a good thing can be applied the wrong way and can have serious consequences. But for the grace of God. So in front of us, we are dealing with what I want to say is a temporary deviation from a course of grace to which this individual is called Samson. We're back at uh, Judges 16 verses 1, 2, and 3. And, and in other words, when I say a good thing and, and all good things come from God, y'all know that, right? Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. If there's any good flowing through us, God put it in us. Now, God can put something in us that we end up using the wrong way. Come on now. And now we owe society and God because he didn't give it to us for that. But that, again, is the pathology of redemption. The good that I would, I do not. And the evil that I would never want to do from time to time, I find myself doing. You do, too. You do, too. Um, and so what we've got here is a man for whom I'm going to once again tell you, I am sure that Samson was sorry for what he did. I'm going to prove it to you. He was sorry for what he did. That the spirit of adoption caused him to cry, Abba, Father. When he broke his father's law and disappointed his parents and temporarily deviated from the glorious course that he was on. See, I told you Samson is nowhere near 
as bad as David. And David taught me how to call on God. This shall all the godly pray in a time when they are in trouble. I said, I will confess my sins. I will acknowledge my transgressions against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, O Lord. David's crimes was committed 10 times over. uh, Samson only did it one time. I can't even stand in Samson's presence. One time? That's pretty good, wouldn't you say? I'm getting ready to teach you something about the grace of God in delivering us. We sang that last hymn, he will hold me fast. Do you believe it? But it's holding you fast. It's not always holding you from. But delivering you out and bringing you back to a position of holding you fast. So that you don't permanently destroy your soul in the wrong choices you make. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? In other words, chapter 15 showed us Samson longing for God to give him a drink of water. Do you remember that? And I told you that thirst on the part of the believer is always a consequence of him or her or them fighting the good fight of faith. And the energy and the exertion of that battle for trying to live for God's glory causes you to to fight everything in you and outside of you to stand for God. And you get famished. Fighting for God will lead to being famished. Dealing with troubles will lead to being thirsty. Because the man or woman that's born of God longs for righteousness at all times. Because that's the only safe environment for a born again child of God. And as I told you, when you are legitimately fighting this fight, And you realize how much you get beat up in that battle and all of the different ranges of psychological and emotional uh, diversity running through your veins. It causes you to get weary and, and you long for God to quench your thirst. That's the way Samson put it, didn't he? Lord, I didn't killed a thousand men for you. And now I'm about to die of thirst. Are you going to leave me here thirsty? See, again, we're talking real redemptive stuff here. Real redemptive stuff here. You will meet men and women whom God will use mightily. And you don't realize that when they go behind closed doors, they're empty. They're exhausted. They're worn out. And they need God more than you can imagine. This is where we make the mistake of exalting people that God is using as if they are some kind of robots and don't go through the ups and downs and the ins and outs and the diminishings of the soul. They do. In fact, the more you use, the more you're going to go through the winds of change and the pressures of testing and the trials without and the temptations within. And you need that water of life, that draft of the spirit of God, that refreshing power of the Holy Ghost to restore you 
to a place of standing. Now, here's a real danger. I told you as I'm teaching our folks about sanctification right now, sanctification demands that you spend a lot of premium time learning from your mistakes. Sanctification requires that you learn from your mistakes. What that means is your successes are never as profoundly impactful in your transformation and growth and comprehension of what God would have you to know, see, and do as when you fall. Your growth is exponential when you fall. When God begins to give you an opportunity in your fall to look back at how you fail, why you fail, and all of the factors leading to it, so that you can actually be wiser up out of it than you were before you failed. And sometimes your successes will get to your head in such a way that it will blind you to the real source of your success. And then you will go out in a kind of presumption of being successful and allow the pride of your strength to actually be hijacked by an imposter and send you down a pathway that will make you fall. Am I making some sense? Am I making some sense? Yes, indeed. The most dangerous thing is when you and I win. The most dangerous thing is when you and I are successful. Because there's a fundamental inclination in all of us to think that the origin of our success is ourselves. But more than that, I want you to grasp this around thirst because we've got a lot of foundation to lay around thirst. Thirst is a principle that is so ambiguous in terms of being able to define it properly and apply it appropriately. In other words, your thirst is your desire. It is your passion. It is part of your DNA. It's what makes you live. Everybody has desire. Different levels, different measures, but we all have desire. Desire is what God puts in us in order to help us be motivated in a direction that we need to go to achieve goals and largely the goal of God's purpose and mission in our life. Am I making sense? Right. So your desires are never going to go away until you die. Read Ecclesiastes 12. Solomon will let you know. Your desires will never go away until it's time to go to glory. So what must we do with our desires? We must always make sure our desires are brought into subjection of God's will so that they are applied and terminate in something that is good for us, good for others and good for God's glory. Am I making some sense? And once again, I want to tell you how your thirst can be perverted. Your thirst can be perverted. The thirst for righteousness or the thirst for glory or the thirst for self-affirmation or the thirst for recognition or the thirst for relationship like this one. Here's one. Every one of us need love. Every one of us need affirmation. Every one of us needs security and every one of us want happiness. Did y'all get that? Love, affirmation, security, and happiness. You can write it down. You can write it down. And notice with every one of those particular adjectival expressions of desire, love, 
It can be perverted. Look at our world. Acceptance. It can be hijacked and you can get trapped by a a set of wrong ideologies all because you are being told you are accepted. Security can make you sell your soul into bondage and slavery to a world system that wants to usurp God's authority in your life. All because you want security. And my goodness, we would spend 10 sermons talking about happiness. And yet these are all native qualities that are legitimately part of our makeup, humanly speaking. And God wants us to have love. God wants us to know love. God wants us to know acceptance. God wants us to know security. And God wants us to know happiness. Am I making some sense? Absolutely. And yet, we can miss the door to all four of those qualities by just a wrong choice. So you just need to understand that my brother has demonstrated a fundamental desire that everybody in the hood around where Samson lives, because he was from the tribe of Dan, everybody in the hood who knew Samson was God's kind of special warrior. They knew this. He had merged from a family that raised him up in such an impeccable way of consecration as a Nazarite that everybody knew Samson was that young teenager, that young adult who is now on a mission for God. Am I making some sense? And, and listen carefully to me. You could hear it. You could hear it in the kitchen with the Jewish mothers talking as they're washing dishes and texting each other and twittering each other. And they're saying, we love Samson. So thankful for that young man. Glad that Manoah and his wife raised that boy right. Look at what Samson is doing. Samson is busting into the usurpation of wicked rulers controlling us. If it wasn't for Samson, we'd all be slaves. Just going out Hitler to the Philistines who are ruling over us. You can hear the mama saying, I'm so thankful for Samson. So thankful that he has troubled our enemies and shaken them up and caused them to back up off of us. So thankful that he has made an impact into our enemy's camp. Thankful they're praying for him. Y'all can hear Jewish mothers praying for Samson, can you? Lord, help Samson. Bless Samson in all his ways, Lord. Can you hear the mothers doing it? Lord. Help, Samson. That boy seems to always get in trouble every time he falls in love. Because they understand the conundrum. A lot of you are kept because of mama's praying for you. See, it's a beautiful thing when you can see how God works through somebody, even if they're flawed. It's a beautiful thing. And when you love that person, you pray for them because you know the bullseye is on their back. So all the Jewish mothers and Christian mothers are praying for young Samson because they know he wants to be married. He wants to have a wife. He wants to raise a family. Every Jewish man knew that he was not complete until he had his complementarian part and was able to contribute to the uh, population increase, which is an abominable thing today. But you got to pray for that today because the enemy wants to destroy all that. Keep you single. And tell you, you can be in love with yourself. You can be accepting of yourself. You can be secure in yourself. You can be happy in yourself. How delusional is that? 
Love, acceptance, security, and happiness is a symbiotic principle. It requires two. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. Dot com or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan.